Welcome to the ministry of Barefoot Church. I'm Clay Neesmith, the pastor here at Barefoot Church. And man, we hope what you experience here today uh, will encourage you, motivate you, and inspire you in a great, great way. Well, I'm Pastor Eddie, and I'm the worship pastor here. And uh, it's an honor to be spending this morning with you. It's week two of our series, You Drive Me Crazy. How many of you have people or things or situations that drive you cray-cray? Let me tell you something that drives me crazy. All right. Some of y'all know this. I'm sitting at the red light. I'm first in line. And I'm not on my phone. Promise. Okay? Cross my heart. I'm praising the Lord. And the light turns green and boom, I'm like, this sucker behind me just, it barely changed and they're already laying on the horn. Has that ever happened to you? Now I could understand if it was like once in a while, they were in a hurry to get to the hospital or, you know, they had an emergency, but guys, this is like almost every day up in Myrtle beach. Come on Myrtle beach. Where you at? But here's the kicker. Okay. Here's the kicker. The same folk. The same folk that are honking at me a sec I mean, not even a second after the light turns green. The same ones that look at me in my neighborhood. You better slow down. I'm going one mile an hour over the speed limit. And they're like. It's the same. That drives me bonkers. That drives me nuts. We're in a week two of this series. And uh, man, we all have people in our lives, don't we? That drive us crazy. We got to deal with uh, difficult situations, difficult people, difficult. We have to have a difficult discussion, whatever the case might be. And we need to learn how to deal with this thing called conflict. Come on, look at your neighbor and say conflict. Boy, some of you are stressed already just saying the word conflict. We've got to learn how to deal with conflict in order to overcome the problems that we have with difficult people. And, you know, I think that Pastor Clay laid a great foundation last week when he talked about how our relationship with God really is our, our relationship with people rather is a reflection of our relationship with God. And I would submit to you this today. I would say that you cannot be in alignment with God if you are out of alignment with people. Let me say that again. You cannot be in alignment with God if you are out of alignment with people. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And then he said, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's both. It's both and. It's not one or the other. Okay. And so this issue of conflict and dealing with conflict, it's a big deal. And the reality is this. We don't know how to deal with conflict. We don't. You never took a class right in school for dealing with conflict. And your parents didn't teach you because they didn't have a clue. My parents didn't teach me about conflict. And my family, conflict resolution was running from your problems. My mom was married three times. And so growing up, I learned to run from conflict. And I'm not saying that there aren't bad situations and things that you've got to protect yourself against. I'm not talking about that. Okay, hear me today. But when we run away from conflict, when we avoid it, when we refuse to deal with it in a biblical way, it doesn't get better. How many of you heard the saying, uh, time heals all wounds? Baloney! It does not. If time healed all wounds, then all you would have to do is just go sit in the doctor's office and wait for them to call you, and you would be healed before you even went in. It doesn't heal all wounds. You've got to deal with the problem, right? You've got to deal with the sickness. You've got to deal with the, the cut or the scrape. You've got to deal with the conflict. Let me tell you something about conflict. Growing up, 
as a, uh, uh, in my family, you know, Mexican family, Hispanic family. Tell you what, though, Cinco de Mayo, who's excited? Come on. Okay, that's good. Last service, it was like one guy in the back. I'm like, my boy, with people. But growing up, you know, we did this thing on Easter where we cracked the uh, cascarones on your head, right? You have the eggs with the confetti. And uh, y'all know about this, but this is like a big deal in the Hispanic uh, community. And so uh, growing up, we would always uh, have Easter at my grandmother's house. And we'd go over there and we'd do the cascarones and crack the eggs and look for the eggs and all this kind of fun stuff. Well, one Easter, my aunt had it in her that she was going to get my grandma with one of these little eggs, okay? And, uh, and my grandma had already like... Gave him the speech, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all better not be trying to get me because I got my hair done and I'm, y'all better not be messing with me. Well, my aunt had it in her that she was going to get her. And I can remember looking at this, man, I don't even know what to call it. Like, it was like slow motion movie scene, like, you know, Bruce Lee style. And my aunt is coming over the shoulder with the egg and my grandmother grabs her hands. And there was literally a physical altercation. Yeah, over an egg. You laugh. But do you know that that conflict caused a rift in our family that was, not, that was not settled for over a decade? Over a decade. So don't tell me that, you know, it's okay to just brush off conflict. Don't sit here this morning and believe the lie that time heals all wounds. Don't sit here today and believe the lie that you can just ignore conflict and it will go away and everything will be okay. It will not. We've got to learn how to deal with it in a biblical way or else you're going to be in and out of relationships. You're going to be in and out of companies. You're going to be in and out of churches. If you don't learn to deal with conflict in the biblical manner, you're going to be in and out of all of these situations. What's the common denominator in all of these situations and relationships and companies and churches? What is the common denominator? People. They're everywhere. You can't escape them. And so if you can't learn how to deal with conflict, we're going to have a hard time dealing with uh, life. Put it this way. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24. He said this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that, uh, and, and remember that there is another believer who has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First, go away and make peace with that person. Then come back and offer your gift. Man, what is Jesus saying here? What's he teaching us? He's saying, look, listen, don't pretend that you're all spiritual, okay, if you can't get along with people. Okay, don't, don't come up in here in church with your hands lifted up and you just got out of a drag out, knockout fight in the car on the way here. You know what I'm saying. You better get them shoes on, boys. I'm telling you what. Oh, praise the Lord. How you doing today? So glad to be in the God's house. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but that's what Jesus is saying here. You're not as holy as you think you are if you can't get along with your spouse, with your kids, with your boss, your co-workers. Getting along with people. Listen, getting along with people is an act of worship. And I love how Jesus says, if you're at the altar and you bring your gift and you realize, he says, leave the gift there. He doesn't say take it with you. He says, leave it there and go make peace. It's a little pastor joke. Anyway, you can laugh if you want. But let me ask you this. How's your worship going? If getting along with people is an act of worship, how's your worship really going? Tough questions, right? So I want to lay out some biblical principles today on on dealing with conflict in a healthy way. You know, the Bible is incredible because this book has so many promises. There's so much encouragement. The word of God is living. It's alive. Okay, but this is this can also be a practical manual for living your life. 
And so I want to get practical today in talking about dealing with conflict. Can we do that, church? I'm calling the church out today because we, we don't know how to deal with conflict. We've got to learn. All right, check this out. Let's dive right in. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Okay, what is this teaching us? This is teaching us, number one, pray about it, and then ask for a meeting. Pray about it, and then ask for a meeting. We're talking about prayer, okay? Problem people make you pray, don't they? Look at your neighbor and say, you make me pray. You're making me pray. Problem people make you pray. Look, listen, we talk to everyone but God in our conflicts, don't we? We don't have a problem talking to the coworker about a problem with the boss. We don't have a problem calling our mom when we have a problem with our spouse. Oh, there's an unbiased opinion, right? We talk to everybody but God. And the reality is, is that that's a problem in and of itself because that's called gossip. And so by avoiding one problem, we've created a whole nother problem when we talk around the problem. Right? The boss is giving you a hard time, so what do we go do? We go tell the coworker, oh yeah, did you hear about this? Man, I can't believe that. Gee whiz, wow. You know, one neighbor on one side of the fence is, is giving you a hard time. You go to the other side of the fence, you talk to the other neighbor. Oh yeah, did you hear about Jeff? Man, so golly, he got that big old boat. How ugly is that? Man, look at that thing. We got to learn how to talk to God about our problems first. That's so important that we are praying people, that we are seeking him, that we are going to the Father and saying, God, what do you want in this situation? How do you want me to proceed here? Give me the words, Lord, to speak so that we can move through this conflict. But oftentimes God's the last person that we go and talk to, isn't it? Sometimes when we're dealing with conflict, it's so important that we talk to him first. Okay, so you prayed about it, and, and then the next step is to call a meeting. You got to call a meeting, all right? Listen, don't confront anybody about conflict without first letting them know that it's coming. Nobody likes to be blindsided, guys. How do, how do you like being blindsided? Nobody wants to be blindsided. And the reality is, is that when they didn't know it was coming, when you're getting into a situation with somebody and you want to like just let the doors open and just throw them under the bus, they didn't know that was coming. How'd you think that was going to go? Of course, that's going to go horrible. You got to let them know what's coming up. You got to say, hey, look, uh, man, I need to get together with you. Um, I just kind of sense some tension. First of all, it's not going to be a surprise to them. Oh, yeah, you sense some tension? Sure, I've been sensing that for three months. You know what I'm saying? Um, we got to just kind of work through something. When are you in a good spot? Okay, when are you in a good spot to sit down and talk? Let me tell you what. When you do that, the entire tone is taken down immeasurably, okay? And you're being sensitive to them instead of blasting them. All right, we got to pick a good time. Give you an example for me, all right? The worst time to try to pick a meeting with me is on Sunday mornings before church. That's the worst time. Why? Because I'm focused on the, the team. I'm focused on the day, at the, the task at hand and getting things ready, ready to minister to people. Or maybe I'm speaking or whatever. Same thing with, I'm sure, with our leaders, Pastor Clay. Sunday morning is the worst time to start bringing up something that you have a problem with. You got to go to them and say, hey, when's a good time for you? When are you going to be in a good place? Can we sit down and talk about X, Y, Z? You're taking the tone down. Approach is everything. How many of you know approach is everything in life? Because you're not getting ready for a fight at that point. You're getting ready to work it out. Make sense? Pray about it and then call a meeting. All right. This next point is a game changer. Okay. If you do this, if you get this right, I promise you, if you get this right, this will change how your conflicts go 90% of the time. Are you ready? You got to get this right. Check this out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and 5. Jesus says this. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. 
First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What's this teaching us? Number two, start by admitting where you're wrong. What? You're, you're telling me that, that I've got to say what I did wrong first? Yes. Jesus is teaching us this very valuable principle here of being humble. But they're responsible for 99% of the problem. I'm only responsible for 1%. Okay, then admit to your 1%. Admit to your 1%. See, when you start the conversation off with where you messed up, where you went wrong, man, that changes the whole direction of, of this conflict resolution. Before we go anywhere else, right, you've got to sit down with that person and say, look, man, I'm really sorry. I blew it on this. But don't take the passive-aggressive approach. I've heard this before. Well, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear enough. That means, that means nothing. That is not an apology. That is not saying I'm sorry. Well, I'm, just, I'm sorry my expectations were just too high. So passive-aggressive. that we've got to be honest in admitting where we went wrong. Man, I blew it on this. I messed up here. I, I rolled my eyes. Or, you know, I was insensitive. Or, you know what, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't you know, consider X, Y, Z. You got to sit down, take some humble pie and admit where you went wrong first. We're not ready to blow the doors down yet. Okay. Admit your faults and stop and let it sink in. Let them receive it. First of all, they'll pass out because you admitted something, you know, you admitted your faults. You took the humble approach. They'll be like, can't believe that you didn't start off, you know, shouting at me, but let them receive it. Listen, this is huge because it establishes authority. Parents, this is a big deal for you as well. And, and me as a parent, listen, I've got, a, I've got three kids now, but Sophia, she's growing up. Some of you know her. She's almost 11 years old and she's, she's just turning into a young lady, man, right before my eyes. And um, she can think for herself and she has her own opinions and her own thoughts. And, you know, we get into conflicts with one another, clearly as parents, all parents do, right, with their kids. But, you know, when I'm able to approach my daughter, and I'm able to, first of all, admit where I went wrong and admit that I messed up, man, all of a sudden she sees me as a human being. It's like, wow, he's actually human. Wow. He's actually like is a, is a person, you know, it establishes authority. See, parents think that establishing authority means telling their kids, do this, do this, do this, don't do that, do this. But establishing authority in your relationship with your kids is all about admitting your own faults and being honest and having integrity and transparency. Then they begin to see you as a human being. And when you treat your kids like human beings, they'll see you as a human being. It's a big deal, guys. It establishes authority. It shows them that you're a human. And listen, when you when you admit to your own faults, people are not surprised. Like, let's not be let's not kid ourselves and think that, you know, people are surprised. It's like, yeah, we we already know that you're, you know, this or that or whatever. But what happens when you begin to admit your own mistakes and your own faults is it builds credibility and it allows people to see you as human and not as a robot. Just admit where you went wrong. Just admit, just start there. Humble pie, admit where I went wrong. And listen, don't try to cover it up either. I see this a lot too, and I've been guilty of this as well um, as, a, as a husband. You know, husbands are guilty of this where, you know, they try to buy their way out of a conflict. Have you ever been there? You try to buy your way out of a situation. It's almost like the bigger the offense, you know, the bigger the flower arrangement, right? You know what I mean? Don't try to cover your tracks. Just admit where you were, want, went, went wrong. And wives are just as guilty sometimes. You know, a lot of times wives might think that, um, well, if I just sleep with him, that'll make things better. And it's not true. In fact, it cheapens it. You feel used. And the other person feels used as well. Uh, I think as parents, we're guilty of this too. I know growing up, my parents were divorced. And so I can remember my dad, you know, wanting to kind of come in and whisk me away and you know, on a little trip or something and, and take me to the ballpark or take me to the water park or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But you haven't called in six months. Like, 
You know, you try to buy your way out of a problem instead of just admitting where you went wrong and starting from that point. It's a big deal. It's called manipulation, guys. And manipulation never, never gets you where you want to go. Don't try to manipulate the situation through gifts or money or, or sex. Just admit where you went wrong. Just admit where you went wrong. You can actually make things worse by trying to buy your way out because then you feel used. Right? The other person feels used and you still have a problem. The problem hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. But we've created a bigger problem by trying to use manipulation to buy our way out. All right, so I admitted where I'm wrong, right? Now I get to just let them have it, right? No, no, this next point, this next point will really shock you. Okay, check this out. James, chapter one, back to James. It says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. But what do we do? What do we do? We're, we're slow to listen, we're quick to speak, and we're quick to get angry. Look, you got two ears and one mouth. That's a good proportion of of how you should be using those body parts when you're trying to deal with conflict. We ought to be listening twice as much as we speak. All right. The reality is we don't listen well. We don't listen well, but listening makes a huge difference in conflict because people want to feel heard. Think about yourself when you're dealing with a situation with somebody. Don't you want to be heard? Don't you desire for the other person to hear you out and hear your perspective and know where you're coming from? What we normally do is that, like, we do this when we're in an argument or a confrontation with somebody. We do this, you know. Instead of listening, we just let them have it. Well, you do this, and you do that, and you do that, and you do this, and this, and this, and this. And the other person's just waiting. They're just waiting for you to take a breath. They're just waiting for you to go, so they can jump in. Well, yeah, yeah, well, you did this, and you did this, and this, and that, and whatever. And then they're just waiting for you to take a breath so they can jump in and go, oh, yeah, well, we're not getting anywhere. It's a cycle. We've got to listen. That's what happens. Nobody gets anywhere when we, have, when we take that approach. Okay, so what you've got to do is sit down with this person and say, hey, tell me your perspective. Tell me, tell me what's going on. And then wait. And don't defend yourself. Resist the urge to defend yourself, guys. Okay? Because if you want to jump in right away without letting the other person say their piece, then you just, you, you, you're taking steps backward at that point. Does that make sense? Okay? Receive it. You're trying to rush through this whole listening process. And listen, trying to be efficient with people is actually inefficient. Because now you've got to spend five times more time with this person than you would have if you would just be patient, listen, hear them out. Okay? Then you got, because otherwise you've got to come back and circle all the way back before you uh, get to the resolution because you didn't listen to everything. So we've got to recap. So what I'm hearing is, right? So what, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is, or what I think you said, and then is there anything else? And then they might tell you, well, you know, okay, anything else? Well, yeah, okay, anything else? Well, no, I, I think that's about it. Okay, good. Now we're in a position to move forward. Every time you receive it, guys, you're building credibility. And building credibility in a conflict is huge, okay? You cannot resolve conflicts if the other person doesn't believe that you're really interested in actually getting somewhere. Okay. Otherwise, you're just continuing the cycle of argument, conflict, all of these things. You've got to listen, receive it. Check out this verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Or this one in Romans chapter 15, verse 2. It says, we should all be concerned about our neighbor and the good things that will build his faith. We've got to look beyond ourselves. 
So much of conflict management and handling conflict is looking beyond yourself and thinking about the other person. And by the way, this is, this is a great opportunity for me to kind of plug in and insert the importance and the value of a life group. Okay, when you're doing life with other believers, when they are coming around you and able to encourage you and help you through some of these difficult seasons. Man, let me tell you, my wife and I, we've been a part of many life groups over the years, some that we've led and some that we've uh, just been a part of. And when you are able to do life with other people, when you're building community, okay, when you're when you're in a uh, in a relationship with other believers, man, that's so encouraging because when you go through difficult seasons in your marriage, right? Or in your relationships, you've got other people that can come alongside you, that can support you, that can encourage you and say, man, we've been there. We know what that's like. And here's some things that we did to kind of help get through that season. That's happened to us so many times, especially early on when we were dealing with some things in in our marriage and we were part of a life group. And there were some couples that just came alongside of us and said, man, we know what that's like. And we can help you get through this. Here's some steps that you can take because this is what helped us. And then vice versa, when you're going through, a, you, when you're on the mountain and you're doing life with somebody that's maybe going through the valley, you can say, man, we've been there. We know what that's like. We can help you through. This is what we did. This is what helped us. Oh, your kids are doing X, Y, Z. Oh, man, I know what that's like. Our kids did the same thing. Here's some things that helped us. Here's some ways that you can kind of get through that. Oh, you guys are having a, an argument or you guys are, are, are not talking to each other. Man, I know what that's like. We've been there. Listen, here's what helped us. Life groups are powerful, and I'm so excited about our life group ministry kind of getting blown up right now. We've got a life group training after church today at 1 o'clock here in this building. So if you're not in a life group, man, you need to get in one. Because if you're trying to do life alone, that's the easiest way for the enemy to get at you. That's the easiest way for the enemy to use conflict to get you down. Because if he can get you alone, he can take you out. And don't make any mistake about it, bro. The enemy wants to take you out. And if he can get to you, bro, if he can get to you, husband, if he can get to you, father, then the family's easy. So doing life with other believers and being in, in, in community with one another is huge. Where are my life group people at in the building? Any life group people in the building today? Come on, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, y'all know. You guys know. And if you don't know about life, look, man, there's, that's so few hands. We've got to get more people involved in life groups because we're trying to do life alone. How's that working for you? How's that going for you? It's hard, right? Life's tough. And let me also just kind of stop and plug next week a little bit too. Mother's Day, I'm really excited about Mother's Day. You, you didn't know next week was Mother's Day, right? Guys, next week, it's Mother's Day. I'm trying to help you out. If you miss it, that's on you because I'm trying to help you out right now, okay? Next week is Mother's Day, all right? And I'm really excited about what some things that we have planned here at the church next weekend. Um, Check our social media page because we put out a post asking for our Barefoot community to send in pictures of uh, your moms, you and your mom, or uh, moms with their kids, um, because we're putting together something really special that we want to be very personal for our church and for our, um, for our people here. So help us out with that. Can you do that? Send in your photos. You can Facebook them to us or Instagram them. I think there's an email address as well. I think it's photos at barefootchurch.com. Uh, don't quote me on that, but you can scroll back through and I'm sure we're going to be posting that throughout the week as well, but help us out. It's going to be super awesome, but you've got to be here next week to check out what we're doing. We're going to be honoring moms at our services next weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So you've uh, prayed about it. You called a meeting, right? You've admitted where you went wrong. You listened. Hopefully you listened attentively and you tried to understand their perspective. All right. Now you can let them have it, right? Now you can just throw them under the bus, right? Well, Not really, okay? Check this out. Proverbs 12, verse 18. It says this, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
I want you to think about your last confrontation. Did your words bring healing or did they bring hurt? Did your words bring healing or hurt? And sometimes the conflict can become the conflict. Like it can create even more conflict because when we go in there, we're not ready to, to, to say the truth in love, which is our fourth point. Speak the truth in love. We just want to start dropping bombs on the other person because we're mad. We're mad and we're ready to let them, let them have it and we're ready to unload on them. But that's not what Jesus uh, taught us. And that's not what the Bible is teaching us. And check out this verse, Ephesians 4.29. Listen to this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Pfft, I could preach a whole sermon on that one. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not speaking the truth, okay? But we've got to speak the objective truth in love, guys, in love. And Bill Hybels kind of puts it this way. He says that we, we need to be willing to speak that last 10%. Okay, so this is the time when you need to speak the truth. You need to go all the way and you need to speak that last 10%, even the part that's hard, the part that's difficult. Okay, but you brought the tone down so far that now they're, they're ready to receive that. Okay, they're ready to hear that. All right. And this is the opportunity where you have to say, look, um, I mean, I've, I've heard you out. I've heard you. I'm sorry. And, um, and the truth is, is that man, you're, you're late to work every day and it drives me crazy. You know, or, you know, uh, I've, I've heard you and the reality is that you just, you just don't know how you come across. You just don't know how you come across. You just, you're, I don't think you understand uh, what, how your words hurt me. You know, I don't think you understand um, how what you did really hurt my feelings or it really, you know, put, put me in a bad spot. You know, I don't think you understand um, the reality of the situation that, you know, you just didn't really um, live up to the expectation. You just didn't do your part. See, now they're ready to hear that. They're ready to receive that because they know that you've taken an interest in their side. You've admitted where you may have had some fault and you're listening. You've listened to their perspective. Okay. And now they're ready to receive uh, what it is that you have to tell them. Okay. You can't skip that part. You've got to say the last 10%. Business owners, where are my business owners at? You guys know this. You've got to say the hard part. You've got to speak the tough stuff. But if you want to have employees that are around for the long haul that you can trust, you've got to speak the truth in love. They've got to know that you care about them as people. Okay, this is such a big deal. And listen, this moves me into the next point. We, we don't want to dramatize, okay? We're not trying to dramatize uh, the problem like, oh, you ruined my life. Okay, well, I'm, sure you, I'm pretty sure you didn't ruin your life, okay? I'm pretty sure your life's not ruined. And, first, and secondly, you know, if they had that much power to ruin your life, why'd you give them that much power in the first place to ruin your life, you know? Or we use words like always. Oh, you always. Or we use words like never. Oh, you never. Guys, that's super hype, like over-dramatizing to the max. And, and that's, that's so extreme. It's like, really? Really? They never, you know, take out the trash? They, maybe they don't, I don't know. They never, you know, listen, really? I'm pretty sure that they don't, like, it's not never, but we over-dramatize it. I mean, the Bible says to magnify the Lord. It doesn't say to magnify the problem, okay? So this leads me to point number five. Fix the problem and not the blame. We've got to fix the problem and not the blame. This happens in politics a lot. You guys see this a lot in politics. It's like, you know, well, the president is ruining the country, Okay, well, I'm pretty sure he's not ruining the country, okay? Or, the, or pick your president, last one, current one, next one, whatever. They, they ruined everything. Well, they didn't ruin everything, okay? Or the governor. Governor, ruin the state. Well, I'm 
I'm pretty sure the state's okay. Like, he didn't ruin it. Or the mayor, the mayor ruined it. Or the principal ruined that program. Or the boss just, well, did they ruin it? Like, really? That's a bit extreme. But what happens so much is we want to over-dramatize to prove a point. We've got to stop trying to demonize everything that people say in an effort to over-dramatize our perspective and our side, okay? We can't solve problems that way, guys. You cannot solve problems if you are out to demonize everything that somebody says. You've got to speak the truth, but the objective truth in love. Are you hearing me today, church? Is this sinking in? Is this helping some of you? I tell some of you are stressed out because you're like, oh man, I've got to like tell this person this. Yeah. Check out Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. It says this. Pride leads to conflict. Mm. Those who take advice are wise. Or Colossians 3, verse 8. It says, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. But don't we do the opposite sometimes? You know, when we go approach somebody or we confront somebody with our problems or whatever, you know, it's like we have anger, rage, malice, slander, and I'm going to throw in some bad words on top of it. How'd that go for you the last time? Let me ask you, how did that go for you? Did that go well? Did you resolve, did you restore the relationship with that approach? Just simple question, right? How'd that go for you? You know, when I'm working with my kids or when I'm dealing with my kids and I just, you know, just lay it, lay it out or let them have it, because I'm guilty of this too, okay? It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't solve a single thing when I just scream and holler at my son or I scream and holler at my daughter who just wants to sit on the couch and watch Netflix all stinking day, Okay. It's like it doesn't solve anything. But when I'm objective and I said, well, look, here's the reality. Okay, you had some chores to do. You didn't do them. And so now I'm going to have to take this away or take that away, right? But screaming and hollering, that just creates a whole nother set of problems that I didn't even have to deal with the first time around, right? But now I've got to deal with the yelling and making them feel terrible, right? And nobody wants to be yelled at. Do you want to be yelled at? Raise your hand if you love being yelled at. Exactly. Nobody likes feeling that way. But somehow along the way, we, we learned that, you know, that that is the way that we establish authority. And it's really not. That's the way to completely destroy your credibility. It truly is. Think about your relationships with people. Blaming them does not get you where you want to go. You know how to spell la- uh, blame? This is how you spell blame. Be lame. It's true. We're not getting anywhere with the blame game. All right. We're just circling around the problem. Okay. Next. Next step. And I want to get ready to wrap up here. I hope this has been practical for you. I hope this is helping some of you to understand, you know, some biblical principles and ways to resolve conflict. Yeah. Check out this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. I want to I go through this slow because this is powerful. It says this. It says, God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. Wow. So, so you're telling me that I have a ministry that you have a ministry. Yeah. That, that, that ministry is to restore relationships. Yeah. That's what this scripture is teaching us here. So let me ask you, how's your ministry going? How's your ministry going? How can we be a part of restoring people's relationships with God? If we can't even restore our relationships with them. Tough questions, right? We have to learn how to restore relationships with others. It goes on to say this. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And he has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. Let me ask you something. Are you holding someone's faults against them? Jesus didn't do that for you or for me. 
I mean, when we hold people's faults against them, that is complete opposite of what Jesus came to do. So what gives us the right to hold people's faults against them? Yet, let me tell you something. We weren't even born yet. And, and God sent his only son to die on a cross for you and for me to pay the penalty for our sin forever. He didn't hold our faults against him. But we hold, we hold on to that. We hold on to those faults. Oh, and when they say they're sorry, I'll forgive them. What? That's not how Jesus approached life. Jesus didn't wait. It's, it's about reconciliation. This is our final point, point six. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Focus on reconciliation and not resolution. Because reconciliation is about restoring the relationship. It's not about establishing who's right. Resolution is about resolving every issue. Listen, if you're waiting to completely agree with someone, you're never going to reach reconciliation. It's not going to happen. We're never going to completely agree on everything. I mean, what are the chances? Think about it. What are the chances of a deep-seated Republican agreeing with everything with a deep-seated Democrat? It's not going to happen. What are the what are the what are the chances of labor agreeing completely with management? It's not going to happen. What are the chances of somebody growing up on this side of the tracks completely agreeing with everything with the person that grew up on this side of the tracks? What are the chances of you completely agreeing with everything that I uh, believe? It's not about that. It's never been about that. If listen, if if unity means that we completely agree, that's not unity. That's uniformity. And that's not the goal. That's not what we're after. We have to understand that you have differences and I have differences. And, and well, whenever they finally get it, then I'm right. Then we'll get along. Well, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for you guys to finally get it to know that I'm right and you're wrong. That's not what we're after here. You'll never get along, guys. The Bible doesn't say to completely agree with one another. I mean, try to find it. It's not here. It does say that we should love one another. That we should care for one another. That we should be patient with one another. Completely agreeing is not even a goal. It's not even, it's not even, it's not even a goal to completely agree. Here's something we can agree on. Jesus is Lord. Can we agree on that? If we can start there, there is no conflict that we can't get through. There is no argument that we can't break through that barrier. If we can agree who is in charge, not me, not you. God's in charge. And we begin to inject God's love and Christ's love into our relationships. There's nothing that we can't overcome. Guys, there is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. And when you start with that, that's the goal. Loving one another. Being patient. Making allowances for one another. We need to bring back civility. We've got to bring back civility. God never said like one another. He did say to love one another. Love is a choice. And I believe, I mean, I believe that we can overcome any conflict when you finally realize that it's not about the conflict. It's about restoring relationships. God is love. When we inject that into our relationships, that's the magic piece, guys. That's the piece that we're missing. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to take this opportunity to pray for spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, parents, children, brothers and sisters. 
Maybe you're dealing with a conflict right now with a family member, somebody that you love. Maybe you walked in here having just gone through an argument or a confrontation. I just want to encourage you here today. God sees that. He loves you regardless. And that problem, that conflict that you think you'll never see a resolution to, you'll never see reconciliation. God, God has one already waiting for you. You may be sitting there in that chair. You may be saying, yeah, but I don't have that opportunity anymore. We've, we've not spoken for years and, and I've lost touch and I don't even know what to do. Well, I think that God can restore that as well. And I believe that God can restore your heart to peace when you finally let go and forgive and move forward and stop holding that person hostage in your mind and holding that person hostage in your heart. Realize that Jesus died for them too. God loves that person too. And God loves you. Maybe you've been putting off having a difficult conversation with somebody. And I want to encourage you. When you inject Jesus into the mixture, when you inject God into it, he will see you through that. I really believe that. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know what it is that we're talking about with God and this Jesus guy. And, and I just want to lay it out for you today that, you know, Jesus Christ was a real, a real person. He was God's son, his only son. And he was sent here to die for you and for me. You see, in order to get into heaven, you have to be perfect. You've got to be without what we call sin. You've got to be spotless. And since none of us are without sin, the only way for us to move into an eternal relationship with God is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And listen, I don't understand all of it, but I do know this, and I believe this. Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross. They put him in a grave. And three days later, he came back to life. I'm following that guy. And I want to invite you today, if you've never trusted Christ, if you've never put your trust in him, your hope in him, you can do that today. I want to help you walk through that. It's simple. There's no spiritual formula or anything like that. But the Bible does say to confess with your mouth and believe in Jesus, you will be saved. And so you can pray along with me. I want to ask those of you that have a relationship with Jesus to just be praying for the people around you right now that may be having this uh, decision for the very first time. But if that's you today, if you're ready to take the next step and begin a relationship with Christ, you can just... Pray to yourself here. You can repeat after me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe that you died on a cross. And I believe that you rose again, proving that you're God. And I want to invite you into my heart. And I will follow you the best way I can from this point forward. Jesus, help me to do that. It's in your name that I pray. Everybody said, amen. 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 Can we just give it up for those folks that maybe received God for the first time today? We hope you were encouraged, motivated, and inspired today by the message. And again, man, we believe in you. We believe great things for you. It's because of many people's faithful giving that we're able to go out around the world. If you choose to invest in Barefoot Church, just go on over to barefootchurch.com. You can give there. But go out, live your purpose, and be inspired in a great, great way.